17. Galatians 6, 17, Paul says these words, From now on, let no one trouble me. Now, basically he's saying, case closed, this is done with, I'm not going to discuss it any longer. And then he says this phrase, For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. It is in that phrase, I bear in my body the marks, that I want to talk to you about this morning as we launch out into this new season. If we're going to be someone that makes an impact like that of the Apostle Paul, if I'm wrong on this statement, I have, I, I, I'm just wrong on a lot of stuff. But I, I don't believe there's anyone in this room that doesn't want their life to count. I, I believe it's a God-given desire inside the heart of every one of us that we want our life to matter. And if our life is going to matter, we're going to have to bear in our body the marks of the Lord Jesus. So what is he talking about? If you looked it up in the original language, it's the word stigmata. Now, the, the word stigmata is, um, some people would translate, it's like if you had um, a, a uniformed officer and the chevron stripes on his or her sleeve. But it's so much more than that. The only way I can describe it to you is if you went and, and got with a cattle farmer. You probably have some inside this church. And if you were to watch them brand their cattle. That is what Paul is saying, is I don't want anyone else to bother me because I have been branded with Jesus. So if, we're, if our lives are going to count for the kingdom of God, here's my question. What are the marks that Paul had in his life? I'm going to submit to you this morning, I think there's going to be four marks every one of us in this room is going to have to have if our life's going to matter for the kingdom of God. So if you're, if you're sitting here going, man, I really want my life to count, listen up. Let's go through them. I believe they staircase together. And I'm going to say in the Galatians chapter 6, so if you would, just go back to verse 1 of Galatians 6. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, brethren or brothers, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one. If you have a pen or a pencil, I want you to circle the word spiritual because that's going to be the first mark in your life. Now, when, when you think of the term spiritual, I, I can't help but just tell you I wanted to change it. I so bad wanted to use the phrase godly. You know what godly means. I, I even was thinking about maybe I could use the term holy, holy men, huh? holy people. Because we know what holiness is, but Paul uses the term spiritual. Now, let's be honest. It's 2023 in America. If I were to ask somebody on the streets, are you spiritual, they wouldn't know what in the world I'm talking about. I mean, is that essential oils? I mean, you know, what are we talking about when we say, are you a spiritual person? Now, do, do you realize that is a scriptural term? I, I'm going to kind of, I, I won't get on a soapbox too much this morning, but if you, wanna, if you want me to go off on something, I am so, look at me, I am so tired of this world taking our terms and our symbols and hijacking them in order to promote their stuff in this world, we've got to start taking this stuff back. The term spiritual is a scriptural term. You may not know what it means, so let, let me just go ahead and tell you, every person in this room, you're in one of three conditions before God. You're not in two, and you can't be exempt. Every one of us, before we walk out of the door, you're going to recognize you're in one of these three conditions. The first condition is that of a natural person. Now, a natural person, that's somebody who's just been born on this planet. You come into this world, and you're born on this planet 
and you're a natural person. But let me tell you what that means. That means you were born in a fallen creation. It means that we all have one thing in common in this room. You may not know me and I may not know you, but we all got one thing in common. We've all sinned. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you don't believe me, I'm going to ask you a question. If you've ever told a lie in your entire life, not just this morning, it's still pretty early, okay? If you've ever told a lie in your entire life, would you just raise your hand, right? Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. I want you to look around the room. Do you see all the liars that came to church this morning? Do y'all see that? By the way, the few of you who did not raise your hand. Liar. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, how is that? How is it that we've all been infected by this thing called sin? The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It's when the woman was deceived, but the man deliberately disobeyed. From that moment, sin has flown through the veins of every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. We're sinners before a holy God. Now, you could be out there going, I love to hear about the love of God. Or you may be out there going, I love the mercies of God. And I love the grace of God. And I love the forgiveness of God. And I love the love of God. All of that is true. But I've never read my Bible where it says three times he's loving, loving, loving. You know what I do read? He is holy, holy, holy. It's something we try to sidestep. But if our lives are going to count, we've got to deal with this thing called sin. You can't sidestep it. And the word holy means absolute perfection. Remember, the writer uses it three times. Absolute perfection three times over. There's no way I can come into his presence. But here's the gospel. When we couldn't come to him... He came to us. And for 33 years, he walked among us, and he never once says, pay me. He doesn't even say, thank me. He says, follow me. He went to the cross, and when he went to the cross, he did something for you you could not do for yourself. He did something for me I could not do for myself. You know what happened? He went to the cross for my sin. That's the reason the Bible says, but God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God Through Jesus Christ. Because when I was growing up, preachers would use the phrase, he's the God-man. And they'd describe it like this. They'd say, he is all God like he is no man. He is all man like he is no God. And I would go, that is so cool. But you'll never understand it until you place him on the cross. Because it is on the cross when he was lifted up with one hand, he was firmly grasped to the deity of God. Why? Because he's all God. But with the other hand, he could reach out to the sinfulness of mankind. Why? Because he was all man. And when they lifted him up, Jesus became the one who bridged the gap between God and man together again. That's the reason there's hope. And if you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus, listen, I'm not saying you don't know about him. I'm saying you don't know him. The greatest fear I have about this country is not that I'm dealing with a group of people who don't know about God. Many are in this room right now going, I believe just like you, Scott. I believe Jesus died. I believe Jesus was buried. I believe Jesus resurrected. But if that's all you got, please listen to me. I'm not trying to be offensive. But that's the same type of a faith of a demon. Because James teaches us that they know there's a God. The demons know that Jesus resurrected. So if you're here and all you know are the facts, I'm I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not even saying you're a moral person. I'm just saying if you don't know Jesus, you're a natural person. That's the first condition man is before God. The second condition is that of a carnal person. 
Paul uses this phrase in the book of Romans. Now, if I were to try to describe a carnal person, let, let me just kind of go uh, a little quicker here. The word carnal, uh, to me, I'm going to put it in Alabama. A carnal person to me is someone in the state of Alabama who says, I know Jesus, but then they live like they really don't. Their audio doesn't match their video. Have you all ever watched one of those international movies they've tried to dub into English? And the mouth is moving and nothing is synced up. That's what a carnal person is. They say, and you say, well, man, no one's perfect in this room. I get that. But if you say, I know Jesus, I love Jesus, but by our lifestyle, habitually, we live like we don't know Jesus, the Bible, Paul says, that's a carnal person. Now, there's the natural person, there's the carnal person, and then we get to verse 1, and Paul says, you who are spiritual. Who's the spiritual person? You know who the spiritual person is? It's the person in this room that knows Jesus Christ personally. Jesus Christ has changed your life. And I know you're coming back to that statement, Scott, I'm not perfect. I love Jesus, but I'm not perfect. Now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bless you this morning. If you do know Jesus in this room, you know what happens to us? Jesus, who took upon himself our sin, now presents us pure and blameless to this holy, awesome God. And this God sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. So in the eyes of your eternal Father, if you know Jesus, you are perfect. Past, present, and future. But on this world, I'm growing and I'm being molded into the image of Christ. And I understand you're sitting there this morning going, man... Leave it to an evangelist to confuse me. Am I natural? Am I carnal? Or am I spiritual? Here's the question. Has Jesus changed your life? You may meet a religious person and forget about it. You may go through a ritual and get over it. But you don't meet Jesus and get over him. There is a Russian proverb, and I know we shouldn't talk about Russia too much, but let me just go ahead and say, there's a, it's 200 years of age. You know what the Russian proverb says? This, those who've been infected with the disease of Jesus will never be cured. Isn't that good? Take that through the pandemic. I mean, I, that's where I, I started searching. I found that, 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 that little proverb, and I was like, wow, those who've been infected with the disease of Jesus will never be cured. And, and then I started thinking, I was going to Egypt uh, several years back when, during the Muslim Brotherhood. And because it was not hygienic, they, they told me I could catch some stuff. And they said, we don't want you to catch that. So they told me to go to the doctor, and he was going to give me a shot. And I, we're not talking about vaccinations. I'm talking immunis- I, I didn't What they told me I was going to catch over there, I didn't want to catch. So I was going to get a shot. And so I was in his office, and he was about to give it to me. I wish I could say it was well-planned, but it was just off the cuff. I said, Bert. What are you about to give me? And I'll never forget what he did. He stopped. He tilted his head towards the room. And he just started chuckling. And he said, well, Scott, to be honest with you, I'm about to give you the disease. But then he said this. He said, but don't worry. I'm just going to give you enough of it so your body can build a defense against it. And you'll never become infected. Ladies and gentlemen, I know I'm speaking to the buckle of the Bible belt. You know your verses. You know the hymns. But if we're not careful in the South, Jesus is still a part of our culture to the point where if we're not careful, you'll get just enough Jesus in your system where you won't be infected with Him. You'll just be vaccinated against Him. 
And you can come to the church and you can, you, you can worship because, my goodness, you, you sing without giving out any type of, uh, like, like, you're not struggling at all. I mean, it just comes so natural to you. I sing differently. Anyway, uh, it, but I, I, you can come and listen to someone singing. And you'll even listen to a sermon as long as it's not too long and there's a couple of jokes, okay? And we can walk in and walk out the same way. So here's the question i got to ask you. If you are a spiritual person, has Jesus changed your life? This is, Jesus didn't die on the cross to make us religious. He died on the cross to have a relationship with us and make us righteous before a holy God. Amen? First, first mark in our lives is going to be that of being spiritual. Let's, let's move on. Let's go to the second mark. I want you to go down to verse 3. Listen, listen to what Paul says here. He says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So as the first mark, and, and you remember when I was walking up this, this stage, I, I walked up these steps. The fundamental step is that of knowing Jesus, being spiritual. But I think the second step, the second mark, if you will, is that of being humble. A, a mark of humility in our life. If you think yourself something when you're nothing, you deceive yourself. Now, we all know pride is that word we can't stand to hear. In fact, we've heard it all of our life. Pride comes before what? I want you to write in the margin of your Bible in verse 3. Write this verse, Proverbs 16, 18. Just write it down. You can go back and look at it later, but that's where we get that phrase. I went and looked it up. You know what it says? A haughty spirit comes before fall. You know what a haughty spirit is? A haughty spirit is a warped view of oneself. Now, it can be pride, but it's not necessarily pride. I'll tell you one other thing. Every one of us has had a haughty spirit. That's when you just need to be brought back into reality. One of my favorite stories about that is uh, Muhammad Ali. Uh, Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer the world's ever seen. After the thriller in Manila, the story goes that Muhammad Ali got on the plane. He had his championship belt around him. He was parading around. The stewardess said, sir, please sit down, put your seatbelt on. The plane's about to take off. To which Muhammad Ali quipped, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. To which the stewardess replied, Superman doesn't need an airplane. Okay, sit down, put your belt on, we're about to take off. It, it was a warped view of oneself. We've all, hey, hey, we've all, we've all been there. A haughty spirit comes before fall. Proverbs 16 18 says, pride goes before destruction. Now that's a lot different than fall. If all we have to do is be taken down a notch, every one of us. But you know what pride is? Pride is a self-sustaining spirit. It is when we're at the point where we're not listening to anyone else's advice, we're not taking anyone else's counsel, and we're bent on doing it our way. And by the way, there's two forms of pride. There's one form we all know about, arrogance. That's the one we see out there. My goodness, you can see them coming, and we just mumble under our breath, that person is so full of themselves, okay? That's, that's arrogance. But in church life, Come on now, listen to me. I have to be careful of the second form of pride. It's not arrogance. It's false humility. It's when, I'm just going to be honest with you, it's when I know how to sit in the pew and I can listen to a sermon and I can smile and I can nod my head and I can take my notes like I am listening to that, to God's Word in my life. But down deep inside, I already know what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it my own way. When you're not able to take anyone else's counsel, listening to godly advice, the Bible says 
It comes before destruction. Because I'm going to be honest with you folks. God will share with us his possessions because he's a good God. God will share his, his, his people with us because he's a good God. According to Scripture, he'll never share his glory. And I don't know about you, my biggest problem sometimes, it's like I'm looking at a theatrical stage and there's one spotlight in the middle and I know it's supposed to be for God, but every once in a while I just want to kind of come into the limelight and just kind of wave real quick and go, hi, Mom, you know, and all that and jump out. But if I'm going to make a difference in the kingdom of God, it's not about me. It's all about him. That's what Paul says. If you think yourself something when you're nothing, you deceive yourself. So it's not about me. It's all about him. So as we're carrying up this stage, you see the first mark is going to be that of being spiritual. The second mark is going to be that of humility. Now let me give you the third mark. I want you to go down to verse 9 on this, okay? Verse 9 is when Paul is getting done with sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And here's what he says in verse 9. He says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap, do not miss the last phrase, if we do not lose heart. The third mark that's going to be in your life is going to be the word persistency. And I don't know who I'm talking to in 2023. I know we've all been through a lot of stuff in the last five years. I know there's some inside this room going, you don't know what I'm walking through right now. Listen to me. Look at me. I don't know you. I don't know what situation you're in. But the message God has for you this morning is do not give up. Don't give up. We better start asking ourselves the question. What would cause us to stop following Jesus? Don't answer out loud, but I'm just going to ask, what, what, would it, what would it take for you to stop following Jesus? According to the Barna research, after COVID, 30% of our church roles are never going to come back. They're gone. And it seems like so many people are leaving the faith. I, 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 what would be your, here's, here's the only response I hope you can give me. Nothing. Because I can't stand up here this morning and tell you that something's not going to take place in your life. You see, a lot of us think that we, we met Jesus in a conference room and we negotiated our salvation. That's not, listen, we come to him under his terms, under his provisions, or we don't come at all. And when we come to him, we realize it's not based on a condition. It, it, most of us have already forgotten what we talked about in the Garden of Eden. Do you remember what's happened in the Garden of Eden? The Bible says still impacts us today. The Bible says creation moans because of the fall. And I'm not standing up here saying God's not in control. Our God is absolutely in control. I'm not saying God's mad. I'm not saying if you've gone through an accident or an illness, God's trying to get back at you. What I'm trying to say is because we live in a fallen creation, stuff's happening but it doesn't put our, our condition upon our relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're sitting there going, Scott, but you don't know what's happened to me. I don't know what's happened to you. But I would say to you, the only perfect person to have ever lived, if anyone should have gotten out of here without any problems, don't you think it would have been Jesus? He was without blemish and without spot. But you know how the Bible describes him? The Bible says he's a man of sorrow acquainted with what? Grief. If Jesus, if Jesus didn't get out of here without any problems, how dare I raise my hand and say, God, this is too much for me. 
In fact, let me go one more step. The Apostle Paul, the guy who's pinning this letter with his own hand. Most of the time he'd use a scribe, but in the book of Galatians, he's writing it with his own hand. If anyone wanted to give up, wouldn't you think it's the Apostle Paul? Everywhere he went, he was telling people about Jesus, and they would try to kill him. they say, Paul, if you don't be quiet, we're, we're going to whip you. And Paul says, all right, go ahead and whip me. they say, Paul, if you don't be quiet, we're going to stone you. And I'm talking about with rocks, not the... You know, the other stuff, okay? You say, well, at least he was comforted. No, I'm talking about with rocks, okay? You, you say, well, what caused him to stop? They say, Paul, if you don't be quiet, we're going to throw you in jail. And Paul would say, throw me down there in Rome. There's a lot of prisoners down there, and they need Jesus. And finally, somebody said, Paul, if you don't be quiet, we're going to kill you. And you know how Paul responded? Okay. To live is Christ, but to die is. To be absent from the body is to be present with. Paul says, you don't understand. Look, look at me, ladies and gentlemen. Paul had crossed the line. He realized that just like John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. So with that spirit of humility, after I've been infected with Jesus, I realize there is nothing that's going to put a condition upon my relationship with Jesus Christ. I love the church, but I'm not following a pastor. I'm not following a preacher. I'm not following a denomination. I'm following Jesus Christ. As he increases, I'm going to decrease. And my message for you this morning is don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your grandparents. Don't give up on your grandchildren. Don't give up on your city. Don't give up on our country. Let's not give up on this world because it's not about us. It's all about Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. All right. Here, here, here we go. Don't, don't get out of control. <laughs> We just want to get out of a coma. Amen. All right. Okay. You're going to have a spirit, uh, 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 knowing Jesus, you're going to be infected by Jesus. Then you're going to have a spirit of humility. Then a spirit of persistence. Let me give you the fourth one. We're done. It's found in verse 14. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the mark. It's the mark of passion. And I've asked Philip to put this up here on New Living Translation. Don't y'all rush the stage. Don't y'all get mad at me. I, I, I just read this in, in New Did you find New Living Translation? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, here, here we go. When I read it, I was like, wow, this is it. Listen to how the New Living Translation puts it. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Love that next phrase. Let it burn into our minds this morning because of that cross. Because of that cross. My interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. I don't want to be known for anything else but someone who just loves Jesus and will make him known. When you get to that point, you're a dangerous man on this planet. Because if the world knows it can't cancel you, what will the world deal with? All of a sudden, you rise above the crowd, you rise above the... And it's so easy to preach this stuff. I'm telling you, this is Baptist preaching. It's just so hard to walk out of here and live it. But Paul says because of that cross. I, my passion is about the cross. My passion is what you focus on. It's not a personality. Some of you are out there like, man, I wish I could be as excited as you are. No, I've been up since 4 a.m. I just drink a lot of coffee, okay? So we're not talking about a personality here. We're talking about passion. That's our focus. We live in a state of... I don't even want to bring it up because everybody gets off on college football, but I did some study. First football game ever played, 1869. 
the two schools, Princeton University versus Rutgers University, it says that there were 150 people at that game. If they'd played yesterday, they'd probably had the same attendance. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, last night, fever pitch. I, I, I know people that went to Tuscaloosa, 10 a.m. It didn't turn out the way. Look, look, I'm not going. I know people who, who bought plane tickets to go out to California. Not, if we, we need to send missionaries to California. Amen. But anyway, that's a different story. I, I'm, not, I'm not going off on college. I'm just saying if, I, if I'm known, may it be known that I love Jesus and I want to make him known. Um, a couple of years ago, when I came last time, I, go, I was going through some I was running for office in the state of Alabama. I didn't, we didn't talk about it last time, so I can talk about it. I, I was running for governor. And I know you're probably sitting here going, man, I didn't know you ran for governor. <laughs> That's the reason I lost. Amen? Oh, yeah. yeah. Really needed your help. All right, no, anyway. I, I, uh, <laughs> anyway, I was running for office. And it was one of those things where uh, they do straw polls. And I went through 17 straw polls during the primary. And what, what, the pro, what the straw polls are, you go in and every candidate gives their little pitch, three to five minutes, and then everybody votes on the one that they're going to vote for. Out of 17 straw polls, I won 16 of them. Came in second on the 17th one because we were in Huntsville and Tommy Battle's backyard. Well, I mean, my goodness, we thought this, we, we, we're, all right. We, we. Now, the primary came, we got slapped, Okay. And everybody was like, how, how do you, maybe this is my own personal counseling time this morning. You're just listening. But I thought, how in the world can I win 16 straw polls, come in second on the 17th one, and, and then not even get a runoff in the primary? And then all you have to do is listen to this. We had about $400,000 to spend on advertising. Opponents, 4.7 to $6 million. Now, uh, more than 10 to 1. Here's what I'm telling you. A lot of you are in this room right now, and you've been there before. And the message that you've heard thus far, I'm sorry, you can't see me. The message thus far has has hit your heart. Think about it. The message of the gospel that Jesus died for you, he resurrected. Because if Jesus just died and he didn't resurrect, I'd say that's a good man, but I'd never call you to follow him. But because we know the tomb is empty, I'm calling you to follow Jesus because he's the only one that can give you what you're searching for. But right now you're saying, man, that's, that's my heart. To, to, live, to live for Christ and die is gained. To, to know that I'm not going to give up. Right now, that's all in your heart. And during those straw polls, when I was there, I'm a communicator. So I was giving them fresh vision of what could happen. And I believe people were throwing their votes out of emotion, going, man, that's, that's what we need. But, but being outspent 10 to 1, by the time they went to bed that night, they, they started hearing the message of all these other people. And they were like, well, I like them, but... It's just not going to happen. Look at all this force that's behind this one, and, and I'm going to vote, vote, vote that way. And, you know, I would say she's doing a pretty good job. But it, it, it was just one of those things where how did I lose? The same thing could be happening in churches. Look at me. You could be in here this morning going, this could happen to me. I need his hope. I need his love. I need his forgiveness. But if you don't transfer that from your heart to captivate your mind, By the time you go to bed tonight, look at me. The world's advertising to you. You're going to be sitting there going, well, it can happen to other people. But it can't happen to me. It can't happen in my marriage. 
It can't happen in my life. It can't happen in my family. You see, Paul had crossed that line. Because of that cross, may I be fixated on what Jesus Christ has done for me. And because the tomb is empty and the throne is occupied, this old world has lost its interest in me. You know what I've done? I've started losing this interest in the world. Paul says, from now on, don't let anyone bother me. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Let me ask you something this morning. Do you have those marks? 